DJ Thomas, and you're listening to Frequency Interrupted. What's up? How are y'all? Man, we are locked, cocked, and ready to rock here, DJ. Amber, I know you're ready. Yes, yes, I'm ready. <laughs> so for those of you who do not, may not know, so this is Amber Bishop and David Harding. And so, as you can see, one of them's very experienced on the mic, another one not so much. Yeah, <laughs> I'm learning. I'm learning every day. I'm trying to catch up with Amber. <laughs> so, uh, you guys, we have um, we have some stuff coming up. We have AKA uh, this is number twenty three, I believe. Yes, coming up. And um, but just to backpedal and show light on everything that's been going on. You've had this promotion now for five years. It's yes. coming up. It's, it is five years now. It's huh? five years. Yeah. Yes, five years. I can't believe it. Crazy. Well, uh, tell me what's going into that, like in all the all the blood, sweat, tears, and everything that's led to it, basically. Uh, where do I begin? Yeah. At I the mean, beginning. At the beginning. <laughs> it's been a long road, um, but it's definitely been worth it. We've got some really exciting things happening right now, and uh, so I'm excited. I'm excited. Yeah. Well, tell me what exciting things we have. <laughs> well, David, David, this one. <laughs> DJ, I think it's a great time to be part of the AKA Family American Combat Alliance. Amber and John doing such a great job with her vision coming in, wanting to form the company here in the shreveport Bossier area. Well, it was a lightning rod of success. It did so great here, so started to expand the brand in other markets across Louisiana. We've gotten great reception there. We've grown such a great portfolio of fighters that have been in and out of our cage and we've been on so many different media markets already to really get that reach and let you know the regional scene even the national scene know who we are at aka we've been on flow combat we've been on ufc fight pass now we're on fight plus worldwide we've got some other irons in the fire right now as well so we're in a big rapid expansion but like you said it all began five years ago right here in shreveport Right across the river over yep. there in Bozier. And it started with Amber, your vision. I mean, you grew up in this business as a young lady with all the travels of your father. Where did it come from? Did you just get out of the bed one day and say, hey, you know what? I'm going to be a fighting promoter. <laughs> Where did that motivation come from? Was it because of no. following your dad around for all those years, being around the fighters? Yes. Or just your love of the sport in general? No, I was at Robert Visitation's fight. I was probably six years old. Yeah. I'll never forget it. And uh, my mom was there with me. And uh, my dad was obviously with Robert. And... Uh, I said, I want to do this. I want to do this. This is fun. I want to do this. I didn't want to fight, but I wanted to be a part of it. I wanted to do, you know, the behind the scenes, the guys with the headsets on and all that stuff. I thought that looked really cool. And so um, every show I went to, I just kind of watched. I watched, I watched, I watched, and um, went to, I don't know how many shows I went to over over the time, you know, but um, it was something fun for me. And so kind of went a different route, um, got married, and my husband loves fighting. Um, and so I was like, you know, this is something I want to do. I've always said I wanted to do it, and I'm going to do it. So. Well, so so for those who may not be listening, so um, I already had your, your father, Grandmaster Carol Baker, was been on the show, so anyone listening or watching who did, you know, experience that episode, this is his daughter. And um, you, um, Robert Visitation, so a lot of people don't know who that is. Like, like so he was a m- amazing fighter. Um, and do you, you want to talk about his accolades? Um, he, world champion kickboxer. Yeah. I mean, that's it. That's yeah. enough right there. Um, he's a great guy. He's got a gym over in the uh, Dallas area. Yeah. Um, and a great gym over there. He's a great guy. Great, uh, just all around guy. Um, so he's still a big part of my life. And you competed, you competed in, um, is it, was it Taekwondo? I did. Yeah. For how many years? I know things. How I know did things. you know that? I know things. Oh my let's, gosh. <laughs> let's talk about it. So yeah, yeah. how long did you compete in that? I was a green belt. And yeah. That's, yeah, that was it. But yeah. yeah. Yeah, my sister was the fighter. Okay. So she was the fighter and you didn't want to fight her, believe me. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, she, uh, she was the fighter and I was a green belt. So I yeah. Guess, I guess you will. Like, so that's do you so think. <laughs> you know that. Yeah. I, I don't know. I've, I feel like me and your dad may have talked about that. Oh but, yeah, probably. Um, so yeah. So what brought, I guess, growing up in that fight world, being in the back scene of it and then like. Bringing it, first of all, being one of only a few women in this country that even runs a fight promotion, but also, like, what brought that together? Like, how did that happen? Like, what happened? How did it, how did it come to fruition? Yeah. Besides so, not just the story of what made you want to do it, but, like, how did it come together? Well, first, I mean, there are, you know, other female promoters as far as that do boxing or that there's very few. And then there's very few that do just MMA. But there's very, very few that do boxing and MMA. Right. And so I wanted to make sure and do both. Um, because in the state of Louisiana, we cannot do kickboxing. That's where my heart is. Yes. So we can't do that. So I went on to MMA and then the boxing side of it also. So I kind of did 
basically two with of uh, the best of both worlds, I guess you could say, you know. Um, so, um, but yeah, that's basically, you know, kind of done both. Yeah. So, gotcha. Yeah. Well, like, so, but had doing that, like, how did it come? From, like, what made what brought this together instead of okay, I'm doing this. Um, there was a time when there was, um, a promotion that was kind of going out. Yeah. And so we decided that this was the perfect timing. Okay. And it's in my hometown of Shreveport, Louisiana. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, well, what's a better time than now? Yes. Yeah, so, so this, just, this has been something in the back of your mind you may have always abso- wanted to do. And you just, so you absolutely. saw the opportunity when it came about. Absolutely. Much. Absolutely. Well, yep. so Mr. Dynamite, what about you? How did you get into this? Like, so you are... One of my favorite parts of experience the show now, you know, used to I was behind on the other side of it to where I wasn't worried about the announcing stuff. I was worried about the getting in the ring and performing. But now it's like the accolades and everything and, and the highlights and everything that comes with it. Like, how did you get into this? Like, the, I know you've been you've done commentating and announcing for a lot of events, but how did you get into the fight game? This started with me roughly 16 years ago. I've been at it for quite a while now. I mean, I just... Uh just MMA events, I'm at around 221, 222. Okay. I've called that many MMA events along with thousands and thousands of other events. But really what got me into it when I was younger in school, in high school, I was the PA announcer. I live in a little town called Ponchatoula, Louisiana, Tanchebo Parish. I was the PA announcer from a basketball team, and I was the PA announcer from a football team. So that's kind of where it started. Well, let's go back a little bit. Really <laughs> where it started, man. My freshman year of high school, I enrolled in FFA, Future Farmers of America, ad class. Was having a good time with it. Well, I've always had this this voice, you know, big, loud, obnoxious voice. Well, my agriculture teacher comes in one day and says, hey, I'm going to sign you up for something extemporaneous public speaking. And we're going to have you compete this Friday. I was like, I don't know what you just said, but if I can talk, I'm, I'm in. Let's do it. So anyway, what the extemporaneous public speaking contest was, they would bring you somewhere. You bring five books of your own. You walk into a room. They let you pick three topics. You find the one you think you know the most about. you got 30 minutes to write a five-minute speech. Then you come out and give the speech. Well, it was kind of a natural at it. Took out, did pretty well the first few times I tried it. Then I made it all the way to state, made it the national competition. That's what got the eye of my high school principal. One day I'm walking through the high school. One day it was a Wednesday afternoon. David Hardy, come to the office. David Hardy, I'm like, oh, Lord, what have I done now? <laughs> a little bit of a troublemaker in high school, you know. So I was worried if he gets suspended or in trouble for something. And he called me and he said, the PA announcer for the football team quit. He can't come back. He's done. You're going to be doing the football game Friday night. Uh, Okay. So just like that, I got thrust into it. And once I got behind the microphone, started calling those touchdowns and the plays, and you hear the roar of the crowd, it's like, man, I get used to this. So it started there. Then, you know, throughout different things, going to the military, life gets in the way, you know, college, these kind of things. Then as I got a little older, I got back into it. I was selling used luxury vehicles. Fella came in. His name was Dr. Rico Impostato, a chiropractor out of the Metairie, New Orleans area. And I was selling him and his wife an Infinity QX56 SUV. And as we were going through the process, doing a little talking, he said, man, you uh, had a pretty good voice. I said, well, I dabble. I do some high school basketball and football on a local radio station here of the Lake 94.7 in Covington, Louisiana. He said, man, you ever watch? And it was kind of young. You know, UFC hadn't got to where it yeah. is now. He said, you ever watch that ultimate fighting on TV? I said, oh, man, I love it. Can't get enough of that stuff. He said, well, it just so happens I've got a promotion over in New Orleans. I could use an announcer. You want to give it a try? I was like, man, it's a frog's ass water tight. Let me jump in this bad boy. So didn't know what I was doing. You go out there. You uh, There's no book you can go check out at the library, How to Be a Ring Announcer. Uh, yeah. It's not there. So I go out and I kind of mimic the, the buffers and the Jimmy Lennon and the, you know, the Howard Finkel from WWF. You just kind of mimic those guys the best you can until you find your own mojo, find your own groove in there. And I remember my first night, man, it was so exciting. The main event of that show was showing the Savage Jordan who had just graduated from LSU, just won the national title in 2007 as a fullback with LSU, and he fought Scott the Bear Barrett. Both guys went on to the top levels in his sport as heavyweights. But I remember marking out so bad that first night, because I'm a huge LSU fan, in case you can't tell. <laughs> Walking Sean out to the ring that night, there's Dwayne Bowe, early deuce set. I mean, the whole national championship team. And here I am, my first time ever in a ring with this little $60 Goodwill suit that I bought that didn't fit worth a damn. And I'm just sitting there, woo, getting all excited, trying to control myself. But I remember the hardest thing was, man, I had a kid to get a story where the name Dynamite came from. 
When I first got going, I knew you wanted brand recognition. If you want to grow in this, people's got to know who you are. They got to know your name. So all night long, ladies and gentlemen, I'm David Hardy. David Hardy, David Hardy, David Hardy, David Hardy here. At the end of the night, you hear people in the crowd, hey, Michael Buffer, yeah. announcer dude, yeah. let's get ready to rumble. <laughs> it would drive me nuts. Well, like I said, when I was younger, a little bit of a temper, was in trouble from time to time. Well, some of my friends there once in a while would call me dynamite. Watch me blow up on it. That's old dynamite right there. So just trying something different, walking out of the cage one night. What the hell? Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Dynamite, and I'll see you next time. Dude, I didn't get one foot out the cage. Dynamite! A couple people in the audience. That's it. It's it's stuck. Stuck. It's it stuck. It was just obnoxious, ridiculous enough, kind of one name, easy to remember. Man, I embraced it, and I have run with it ever since. Well... There you go. If you were looking for that origin story, that was uh, where it was built. But yeah, I had no clue. I didn't know. I knew that um, <clears throat> when we started, uh, you know, any local promotion, when you'd be announcing something, we'd see it, and you and you came on the scene with this promotion. Um, I just re- remember you. You know what I mean? Like, so that's what you're. That's what you're all about. Like, I mean, when you come in the cage, everyone knows who you are. But not only that, what's what's an, uh, I think is very important, and someone just. Like we talk about the entire show experience. Now that I've been involved with you guys, you know, on the, on the back end of it and seeing it, and then being on the other side of it as a fighter, briefly, like, um, you got to know more than just going in there and reading a, a card, a scorecard, or announcing things. What I always like about what you do is you know everything about these fighters. You research these p- fighters. You're passionate about it. You're not doing this just as a job. It's your life. And the same thing with you, Amber, too. Like you, these these fighters are all like family to you. Yes. And you're like you're making sure that they're going. There's a good matchup. You have a great, you know. You, a great card that you know these people who are facing someone else that they're not getting thrown to the wolves because mm-hmm. that's the mo- the worst thing that could ever happen is someone stepping in as an amateur or as a pro- even in their f- first pro debut is fighting someone who's not a good matchup for them and for people to say well you should be prepared for anything you don't know anything about fighting if you say that like you 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 have to pair up people based on what they're you know what a good match is you just have to For folks that have never walked a mile or two in this world, it's hard to get them to understand how much of the psyche and the mental faction of the fight game there is. It's not just about the skill set. It's not just about the body, the nutrition, the physicality. There's so much mentally involved. I mean, think about it. When I was a kid, you know, coming up, you and your cousin getting a scrap in the front yard, whichever one of you got the black eye, the fat lip, and lost, you knew every one of your uncles was going to ride your butt and embarrass you and give you crap about it forever. Now, imagine putting that for lack of a better term, that machismo on the line in front of 1,500 of your closest friends and family and high school buddies. Imagine just letting it all hang out out there. You're putting a lot on the line because if you lose, it hurts. It stings. You can fracture a fighter's psyche very, very easily. You give them a chance to build up. You fight them on the competition level they're at. As they grow, yeah. their competition should grow. Because like you said, you can you can ruin a fighter really fast. Right out the gate. You can yes, ruin them right out the gate. They may be great, and they may be well-rounded, but they may not have the, the cage experience or the ring experience. And you put them in there, and they get shattered, You know, whether it be mentally, physically, or both. Mm-hmm. Then they may never have a career when they could have. So like, it's very important that people... They hear about that and they don't know about it. And what I always thought was great about you is that Amber's that and, and David you as well. But um, these fighters come to you and talk to you before the show, after the show. They say yes, ma'am. They appreciate you, like you know them, right? And that's very important. Like I, you know, there's so many other promotions out there I've seen and been a part of and been to shows that they don't care. They're just a promoter. They put the show on. They're worried about ticket sales and they leave. Right. They don't have any relationship with the fighters. They don't know anything about these fighters. Uh, these fighters' stories. You guys are watching tape. You know about these fighters. You're you're alongside your your matchmaker, Mr. James Georgetown, yes. and you're talking about these things. Hey, this is not a good. This may not be a good choice, or this is a good choice for us. And here's why. Those are all things that aren't talked about enough. So, I mean, what's your perspective on that? Yeah, key factor there is Mr. Georgetown. Yeah. So um, he's a phenomenal matchmaker. Um, he's a big part of AKA. Um, he's very respected in the fight game, and um, he he does his his work on his side to make sure that every match is matched properly and evenly. Yeah. And so um, that's a big key factor, and that's a big part of AKA and why we are where we are today um, is because of the matching. So yeah. you have to give you know respect where respects due. So yeah, I mean I I completely agree. But not only that, it's a cohesive brand. Like you've built this. You know, 
it's very hard to create a promotion. I've seen so many fail, right? Mm-hmm. And I, David, I know you have too, um, being in this game for so long. And I know you, Amber as well, but like you've seen so many start and fail because they have, they're running for the wrong reasons or there's not a cohesive partnership there between all parties. Correct. You have to have, you, it's, it's, this is the biggest pain in the ass is having multiple gyms collaborating mm-hmm. to put fighters together without drama, which is very, very hard. It's always an issue and it's always false on the promoter to deal with that issue. Exactly. And then you, and then you have to have a good matchmaker and then you have to have good, you have to have good marketing. You have to have, you know, good, uh, cage side announcing in cage announcing all those things. They're all extremely cohesive and it has to work. If not, it's not going to last, right. you know, it's not going to last. You can all day long. People just think, Oh, we're just going to put two fighters in a ring and make it happen. It doesn't work that way. There's so much that goes into it. Yes. And like, I just want to talk about today is really, is just all the nuts and bolts to make everyone appreciate what it is you guys do, because it's, it's just not, it's something that is never talked about. It always comes down to the fight, mm-hmm. you know, or yeah. leading up to the fight and then the fight. And then that's it. And like, and then there's no one sees the, the nitty gritty, like the, the fighters pulling out the last minute, trying to find a replacement, you know, fighters getting hurt after you spent all this money and time on advertising this fight exactly. and then potentially losing all your ticket sales because you don't have a fighter there. You know, those are the things that aren't talked about enough. Right. Very, very true. Yeah. yeah. Um, definitely the behind the scenes type stuff that, you know, that I deal with on a day to day leading months and months and months, you know, out from fight night. It's not just you throw a fight card and you put on a show. There's so much more to it behind the scenes. And I have a great team that helps. Um, we're like a family. Um, and, uh, we all have a, have our special place. I think you said it best the other day, David, when you were talking about, well, we got such a great group here at AK. We accent each other's strengths and we cover for each other's weaknesses. Mm-hmm. You know, where I have strengths here doing the media circuits out there doing the announcing, I'm very weak in other parts. You know, my social media game, a lot of the, the computer stuff, a little weak on that. Amber's very good at that with the business side, the numbers. Georgetown does so well with the matchmaking and knowing the gyms. Like I say we all learn to play to each other's strengths and weaknesses. And that's what makes it work so well. If you have a group where you have one person in control of everything, then a bunch of yes men underneath them, then everything you live and die by that one person. When you have a group, like you said, having that cohesion, that synergy working together, hey, we're not always going to get along. We're not always going to agree, but we always have the passion to get the brand where it needs to be, to grow the brand and put the best product out there for AKA. And that's what we do so well here with our family between Georgetown, John Bishop, Amber, myself. That's where we're so strong as a unit. Look, don't think we don't get up sometimes and when we have our crosswords and we cut each other's stink eye from time to time. But when you're in a relationship and you care about what you're doing and you care about the people you're doing it with, that's what makes a strong relationship. You can get past those tough times and keep going yeah you have something that you believe in all mm-hmm. of you believe in the same thing the future right. of what this thing you're, is doing no matter like and that that applies to anything no matter what the business industry it is or, or what the the product is if you all believe in it and you get enough people behind you that play on their strengths like you said it, i mean it's going to grow right so tell me the scariest moment in this industry you've ever had like scariest moment when you think about it, it gives you chilled bumps um, Specifically, can you think of one? Yes, I All right, can. cool. What is it? Um, the leg break. Okay. Yeah. Which the, one? The the only one we had that was the wicked leg break between Chris Williams and. Um, Oh, here, David. I'm looking right at him. I can't call the young man's <laughs> name. I'm so sorry. Yeah. But no, it was. Uh, Man, it's still rated as one of the top five most gruesome injuries inside of an MMA cage, be it UFC, any promotion out there. Hats off to our fantastic doctor, Dr. Hector Brunet. Such a skilled surgeon. He was Adam. able to... It was Adam. Was Adam that Adam. night with Dr. Hector? No, okay. it was Adam. Look, he jumped in, was able to get that man's bones back in alignment. Yes. And look, he was on the road to recovery pretty fast. Was I'm able to get sure back in the was, gym. I don't think I was there. What what, what card was this? Um, this was in about I mean, around well, how long, 11. We were how long? At, okay, so we horseshoe. For the second year? We were at the River Dawn. It's around AKA 10 or 11. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And... Um, I'm drawing a blank on his name, but I'm bless his heart. But he, um, it was yeah. either right before, or right he, after you fought for us. Okay. Yeah. It was right about that time. Yeah. I can't remember what card that was either. So it's, yeah. So you're, you're in your, like, think beginning your second year. I think yeah. this happens. Yeah. I'll never forget that day. Yeah. Never forget that day. That was one of the scariest moments ever for me. Well, isn't that funny? Like, I just, like, we we're just talking about 
most people wouldn't care about that as part of the sport, but you actually, that scares you, that bothers it you. It know scared I mean? me because, I, you know, this, he's a young kid. Yeah. He had so much um, potential and he, you know, had so much going for him in life. And to see him out there and it's his amateur career, you know, and to have a break like that was just unbelievable. You know, I thought about, golly, is he going to have to be amputated? What's his life going to be like? All these things that went through my head. Could I have done something to help prevent? Yeah. You know, what could I have done better? Did something, you know, was there something in the cage? Was there something, you know, whatever? But it wasn't. It was just. It's part of the sport. It's part of the sport. What, uh, so did he, what happened? I, I don't know if I was there for no, that. No, they said it. And did, he, he had... did he check a kick? or well, yes. Check the kick. Check the kick. I mean, it was as bad, if not worse, than the Anderson Silva, Chris Whiteman oh. breaks. It probably worse. It. it was more visual. I don't think I saw it. I, might, I can't remember. I can't remember if I saw it or not. DJ was much more visual, and him holding his leg up and the, the dangling of the, yeah. the broken, you know. Oh. Man. It was bad. It was Man. pretty bad. It was really bad. And like I said, I mean, it, as gruesome as the Chris Whiteman and the Anderson Silva's breaks were, yeah, yeah, you can see much worse. Page of went viral. It was huge. It was, it was. But he's I, mean, good I think I remember, now. It, but I just can't remember what, which card it was, and I don't know. Yeah. It's been it's been a while now. When you that's that's another thing. Like so, like when you see so many fights, like here's one thing that I want to bring up that is, I, I'm just like thinking of things that piss me off in this sport so we can elaborate on them mm-hmm. right because there's so many of those people that just make noise and talk shit and come drink and yell and they have no idea about anything they just want to see people fist fight the, the worst thing is when people boo whenever you're in a position on the ground right like in mma like when in, i know we talk about it all the time david but like when when you have two great fighters go to the ground and then at this point they're creating uh either in a jujitsu wrestling or both mm-hmm. match at that point so they get either submit or get back up and start banging again right people just i don't know it's just always been that in this sport like when that happens everyone just gets pissed off like stand them up let's go let's fight (laughs) if i had a nickel for every time i heard stand them up ref at an mma event i'd have michael buffer money right now yeah Yeah. that's no lie it's uh it's just frustrating it's frustrating because people don't understand that this is not boxing it's mixed martial arts like Mm -hmm. this is this everything goes into this and what i've what i've seen What's been so exciting for me is like these guys that are fighting on your pro cars now are guys that I remember coming to the gym 10 years ago that didn't even know how to throw a punch. Right. And that's just so cool to watch, right? Like to watch these 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 guys like when we were fighting 10 years ago like we weren't even close to the level of these amateurs now. Mm-hmm. Like the knowledge that's been into the sport and, and well-rounded and, and these all these teams that are nearby they're sending all these awesome fighters here that they're really skilled like I wouldn't fight some of these amateurs. Like, there's no way. Like, I mean, holy shit. That's what's incredible about the sport of mixed martial arts. Look at what it has accomplished and achieved. The sport itself, look at the brands like UFC, Bellator, some yeah. of the big companies out there. We're talking in a 20-year run. These guys are generating revenues and selling out arenas that it took basketball, football, baseball, 100 years to get to the revenue stream that this sport has accomplished in 20 years. Yeah. And guys, it has not hit its peak yet. This sport is still growing. There's innovations coming around every day. And that's something that we embrace and that we have to constantly roll with and be fluid with on the promotion side is this sport is evolving. It's changing every day. And there's always new innovations you can come up with to separate yourself from the pack and present present the same sport but present it in a different light and put that new wrinkle in there that can bring new eyes, new fans to the sport. Yeah, I think that most people's misconception is it's just like if you're not in the UFC, you don't matter. Mm-hmm. But like all these promotions are great. Like these these large promotions and the promotions you guys have, like you're you're feeding, like you're creating your own brand at this point to where I think in the next ten years you'll be a mecca like one of those. But now you're feeding these professionals into these establishments. Mm-hmm. Like I mean, how many fighters have we had on your card that are now UFC fighters? I think we've had seven. Pretty long yeah. list. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And, you know, like that's that's huge. Mm-hmm. And you know, everyone has to start somewhere. And the fact that you're, you know, you're giving these amateurs a platform to grow into, and you're also giving these pros a platform that eventually they'll graduate from, and you're also still letting veterans compete that are still amazing competitors, right. whether they may, may whether they may not ever go back to those huge promotions, they're still worthy opponents, and they're great for these up and coming guys. You know. DJ, I remember when I first started in the sport, there was a time whenever you'd be doing a local promotion, I'd be doing a show in New Orleans or Biloxi, somewhere like that. And, man, you'd have a fighter come in, 
he's with American Top Team. Yeah. And you're like, oh, that's it, local guy, yeah. he's getting his ass whipped tonight, yeah. you know. And now it's not that. Any oh, school, anybody can beat anybody on any given night at any promotion. Yeah. But there was a time when there was a definite delineation, hey, these couple schools are where it's at, everybody else is still trying to learn from them. Not the case anymore, man. Uh, I mean, I remember, man, I remember that, like, vividly, like, going to going to fights and saying, oh, shit, we have a teammate fighting somebody from this gym. You know, you're like, God, man, you have to catch him right now because if, you know, if he, if he gets on top of you, it's over, it's you know, over. Or something like that. Like, and it, it's just, it's part of it. But yeah, now you don't know, doesn't matter where they come from. The knowledge is just there. You know, the knowledge is there and it's ever growing and it's ever changing. And, and every time that, you know, I've been fortunate enough to be on the commentary side of your guys' promotion, like seeing this evolution, like seeing that, seeing these amateurs that fight like, pros used to when I was fighting, mm-hmm. you know, and then pros that have fight like, holy shit, like I can't even believe I'm experiencing this, this close up, you know, and then it's just insane to me. It really is, man. Like I say, just a testament to the sport of how far it's grown and it's still growing every day. And I'll give you another one, DJ, and I use this analogy a lot. There was a dull moment in, in a decade or so in boxing. Boxing had hit a low. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people lost interest. Yeah. You didn't have the 90s, stars. Late 90s, mid 2000s. Yeah. yeah. And now you're seeing this resurgence and this interest in boxing. You got some great boxers out there again. A lot of the fans returning to the boxing world, if you can find the correlation, that's due to MMA bringing fans back to fighting in general. Now, you had the MMA explosion. People got back into watching fights. Now you're having some fans, you know, I don't know if this MMA stuff's 100% for me. And now they're getting back into the boxing. So MMA has helped bring about some of that resurgence in boxing as well. You can find a direct correlation between the two. Oh, yeah. I mean, and not only that, I mean, then you have these MMA fighters going to, and, you know, you have these huge pay-per-views with these MMA, retired MMA fighters still are boxing or the bare-knuckle game. Holy shit. You know, like the, just the, the, the continuous opportunity for combat sports growing, you know, and on see, every single itself. When UFC first got going, no weight classes, round yeah. robin, Hoist Gracie fights yeah. three times in a night, Denver, Colorado wins $50,000, you know, bare knuckle. And now they had to fight and kick and scratch and crawl. You had sitting United States senators calling it human cockfighting. Yeah. This MMA is never going to take off. It's never going to happen. Through guys like the Fertitas and Dana White and all those great guys that laid the groundwork that grew this sport, we finally got it regulated, got it to where it is now. And now look what's happening. Hey, the bare knuckle's coming back. Yep. Getting a little interest. That's the next thing. It's, so there's there's always a new wrinkle that can be added, man. Yeah. Combat sports is strong. Yeah, right they, now. They, there's there's always a point where each one of those sports um, cross over. You know what I mean? Like whether it be boxing, MMA, MMA to you mm-hmm. know, kickboxing to MMA, MMA right. to bare knuckle, boxing to bare knuckle. They all sort of interject now, which is cool. And you you may see someone who may have did their time in this specific area, but now they can move over here and pivot and still be a superstar in this area because they still have you know. Great abilities. And back to what we were talking about earlier, like you talk about Mr. Robert Visitation and your dad, Grandmaster Carol Baker. If it wasn't for those guys putting in the work and doing the fighting they did when there was no MMA, there wasn't the fan base there is now, those guys are the reason we have mixed martial arts and the combat sports at the level we do now. They paved the way. They opened the doors. They're the reason we're all sitting here right now. It's been like that. And I've seen so many starting out, you know, even, even just 10 years ago, so many small promotions where you show up or small tournaments, you know, and matches. You show up and nobody's there. Still competing though, you're still there. It doesn't matter if you cross it. You still the co- the competition is still there. What do you think, um, Amber? What do you think, um, or what do you say to people who may not take you seriously because you're a woman promoter in this sport? You'll see me in yeah. the lights. It's I, coming. Do, do you do you feel that? Do you get ever get that from people? Like I get it all the time. Yeah. All the time. I, I just I, I thought of that question. I was like, man, I just really think that it's it's something that has been a men's sport so long, mm-hmm. and that you're paving the waves here in this thing. And like, I, I'm sure you get some pushback. Yeah, you do, you do. But you know, I've I'm tough. You yeah. know, um, my mom and my dad were both tough. They raised me tough to be tough. And you know, I have I have pretty thick skin, I think. And um, you know, so it's it's all good. I know where I'm going. Yeah. I mean, I so. think that I think everything you guys are doing is on the, in the right trajectory. And like, so what has been? What has it been like making a change to this streaming stuff? Because that's something that's been huge in the sport too. Because for the longest time, I feel like that we were bottlenecked because we could only rely on in-person ticket sales. So, what are you guys doing for that? 
The streaming's fantastic. It gives a great avenue for promotions like ourselves to get our product out there to the fan base because you have a lot of fighters that we'll bring in from Arkansas, Mississippi, yeah. Florida, Texas. Okay, mom, dad, Uncle Bob, Crazy Cousin Joe, all these guys. Not everybody can drive 6, 8, 10, 12 hours to watch you fight. Even though they like to, hey, people have lives, this, that, the other, can't make it. Now, through these streaming services, UFC Fight Pass, Fight Plus, Pay-Per-View, we are, Flow Combat, different services out there. Now, I can sit at home for 1995 for 1495 for 2195 I can tune in and I can watch my nephew fight even though he's four states away yeah so it helps the promotions because you have another revenue stream coming in to help add a few more dollars to offset some of the costs that it takes to put on a promotion and at the same time you're giving us a platform to grow our brand but you're giving the fighters a platform to grow their fan base and to get themselves out there because you know fighters they have to make that there's levels to it, you know? So they've got to make that climb as well. You start out fighting here and just in Louisiana. Well, you better go try those guys in Texas. You need to go try the guys in yeah. Florida. You got to get out there. You might be the biggest, baddest dog in your backyard. Go to somebody else's backyard Ooh, and see, see how that, tough see, you are. I see are. that a lot. I see a lot of fighters that are in, staying in the same pool all the time. Mm-hmm. If you do not get out of that pool, like when you fight for five different promotions in the same state, but you never go out of that pool of people, like you're – that's the biggest problem I, f- I feel like in fighters is they do not know how to grow their brand, right? Look at Conor McGregor, the biggest mixed martial arts superstar in the world and one of the biggest in combat sports. He knows how to grow his brand. I use him as an example <laughs> yes. all the time, DJ. I get so frustrated sometimes when I'll interview a fighter. And they'll, well, you know, my opponent, he's got pretty good jujitsu, and he's a real nice guy, and I love his kids, and man, you know, his, his mom was great, and blah, blah, blah. And sometimes I'll pull him to the side, and I'm like, fellas, look, I love this the is the fight game. This is the fight game. Controversy creates cash in yeah, this world, yeah. okay? I understand there's no reason to cuss his mama or anything like that, but at the same time, you've got to build the hype around this fight. Tell me why you're better than him. Tell me why you're going to beat him. I don't want to hear a bromance or a love fest between you and your opponent. This is a fight. And I tell the guys all the time, DJ, look, you might be six foot one, 170 pound welterweight, 2% body fat, brown belt in jiu-jitsu, and you're 4-0 as a pro. Well, guess what? I can find a hundred of you within 30 miles of here. Yeah. What makes you different? What's going to make you stand out? Why is Dana White going to pick you? Why is he going to put you in a championship opportunity to make the big money? You've got to do something to market yourself. You've got to find that character. And I use Conor McGregor as an example all the time. Conor McGregor's what? 5'10", 135 pounds soaking wet when he fights? Yeah. And this guy has made more money than just about anybody in the mixed martial arts world. It's because of the controversy. And I'll give you a key example. Myself, never a big Conor McGregor fan. Didn't care for it. Don't like him. Don't care for him that much. But you always want to watch He's the good in the cage. Well, this is the good thing, though. Yeah. If you're a fan of his, you're buying every pay-per-view because yep. that's your guy you yep. want to see him win. Yep. I would buy every pay-per-view he fought on because I wanted to see somebody that. whip his ass. I've never been a fan, but... <laughs> but he's I'm, getting everybody's yeah, money. I've never been a fan. I'm not, not that... Um, not that He's not amazing. Uh, oh, he's fantastic. Athlete, but, but I just, I was never a fan at the disrespect to the, I, I felt like the disrespect to the sport a lot of times. But then you look at it and it's like, he knows what the fuck he's doing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, he knows what he's doing. Yeah, he and the biggest problem I see is that, like, you know, these fighters are bad about, you know, all fighting on the same promotion and not trying to grow, not looking outside because maybe, maybe lack of, um, lack of revenue, you know, a budget, you know, maybe lack of transportation or maybe they're working a full time job. But like at this point, and I noticed that the very last time I competed, it, and I was glad to be, it was on your card. Like, I just told myself, I'm training, I'm fighting, I'm about to fight, guy. I'm fighting guys that they are doing this for a job. Mm-hmm. This used to be a hobby of mine. I thought wanted to be a job, maybe cool, but no, I always had a job. This was just a hobby. And I realized this is not something I, like, it's dangerous to me. I'm going to get injured because I'm not doing it for, for a living. You know, mm-hmm. these guys are doing it for a living. And if someone's taking it seriously, they drop everything and put everything into it. That's what you have to be, to do to be a, a champion and superstar in a sport. I don't care who you are. Like, how many people do we know that are fighting an elite level that have a full-time job other than fighting? We don't, you know? I mean, what, Stipe Miocic, maybe? Did he have a – I believe he had a full-time yeah, job. Stipe Miocic yeah, Stipe Miocic was a firefighter. Yeah, and then you had um, – there was a couple. But there's only a handful that you can think of that that's not their full-time job. It's just mm-hmm. very hard to do that. If you're going to do it and you're going to do it and try to do it at elite level and be a pro and, you know, fight the best of the best and make it, you know, world-renowned, you have to put everything into it. 
And look, it's important when you're talking about building that character, growing the yeah. brand. Remember when Conor McGregor and Jose Aldo went head to head? Man, I was a huge Aldo fan. That dude defended his title 10, 11 times. Dude, One of the best mixed martial artists ever. Yes. And as soon as Conor beat him, he was poo pooed by the fans. Yeah. Everybody acted like Aldo was nothing. He was an afterthought. <laughs> it's because of that character. Conor McGregor is fantastic yes, yes. in the cage, yeah. he's fantastic at what he does selling fights. I didn't care for it, but guess what? He still got my money. That's what and, it's all about. And when he gets beat, his fans are making excuses for him and not leaving him. You know what I mean? So, like, that's when you know you have a great fan base. No matter what. When you think what. about how good Aldo yeah. was, and as soon as he lost, they just acted like he was never right. anything. Right. Like, wait a minute. But you can't you look, disregard everything this man did. But if you look but at Connor, Con- almost yeah, wiped him look out. At Connor versus ADS. You know, when he got beat, and then, like, everyone was making excuses, and, you know, still on his side, and he came back and beat him, and you, it happened with Dustin Poirier, too. Mm-hmm. You know, like, um, it, that's when you know you have a good fan base. But I think that's the hardest thing in, in you know, an amateur. I think it's great now that, like, and I see where there's a – we're just now in a full social media wave over the past three or four years, right, to where it's very, very vital. for It's vital for your guys' promotion. It's vital for the produ- uh, the, the marketing of the fighter. Um you have these guys who may have been in the game for five or six, eight years that don't really want to change and evolve. They're still a good hometown fighter, but they're not getting into that next level because they're not doing their due diligence on the marketing side, right? Mm-hmm. I've seen it a lot, and it happens in anything. It happens in anything. If you don't evolve, you're not going to make it. But it, it, I see it so much in those guys that may be a bit seasoned or like, well, I don't, I don't get on social media. Well, guess what? That's, that's the only way you're going to build a brand. And look, that's what's helped us so much with uh, Amber and myself and everybody at AKA. You've got a lot of promotions out there. Look, I've worked for just about every damn one of them. They all do a great job. I'm not saying anything detrimental. But you have a lot of companies. They have a small cage. They strap some construction lights to it. They might hang a poster or two up on the wall in a gymnasium. And that's it. The fighters get in there. They fight. That's what they're giving you. They're looking to make a few dollars and go on to the next show in, in a couple months. With us, we knew this is something we wanted to take. I mean, roll it to the wheels fall off, whatever you want to use. This is something we knew we wanted to take to the highest level. So everything we do at AKA is based around our production, our quality. We're giving you the best possible fights. Like Mr. James Georgetown says all the time, hey, weight classes and records don't make fights. Styles make fights. You've got to sit down. You've got to watch the film. You've got to go to the gym. You've got to get to know these kids to make sure you're getting the best possible matchups. Then what we do as far as, you know, our light show, our production, the sound, our cage, the quality of everything we do, our belts. I mean, everything we do at AK, we try to do a cut above. And when I'm selling ourselves to sponsors and different networks out there, I tell them, hey, we give you everything you see on television. Our caliber of fighters just a little bit lower because if they were that much good, they'd be fighting for the UFC and not for us. But everything else you see on the televised UFC product, anything like that, you get that with us here at AK. Yeah. I think, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's been, it's been awesome to see the evolution of that too, but you guys come out the gate doing a great promotion, you know what I mean? And just slowly evolved, Mm -hmm. you know, I think that, I think that that's something that if people like, okay, so to, to tune in and watch, uh, something like UFC, you're going to pay at this point, what, $80 now, I believe for pay-per-view, whereas you can tune in and watch something with just as exciting of a card maybe even more exciting some of these fights cards i've seen lately um on your guys and watch it for 20 bucks you know what i mean right like that's something awesome that people need to know about right like they're saying well i don't want to spend 100 well spend 20 and come watch amazing you know amazing group of fighters that are fighting to get to that elite level Mm -hmm. it's kind of like that passion in regular sports myself i love college sports Versus professional sports. And because with the college sports, you've got a little more passion. Those guys are fighting to get to that big level, to get that big money. Once you get the big money, well, coach, I ain't going to try as hard. I got a 10-year contract. I don't want to hurt my knee. You only fight once a year. You know what I mean? Exactly. you guys' promotions, shoot, they're fighting three or four times a year. Right. And going back to that as far as, like, you know, the amateur fighters, I mean, you've got them where they're they're having to work. Yeah. They have to work course, to yeah. support themselves. So they're going to the gym and they're working. And people don't see that side of things. It's not just they go, you know, prepare for a fight takes two weeks. We're talking, <laughs> you know, at least eight weeks. Yeah. You know, these fighters are, are prepping for this. If time away from family, time away yeah. from their kids, time away from all these things. that People don't see that side of things. I see that. I respect that. I was there. My dad wasn't there a lot because he did travel some, that, you know, where we didn't go. You know, those types of things. So I respect that more, I think, because of that, you know? Yeah. Well, and DJ, you've seen it. It's harder 
when you're fighting to get that. Once you get to the UFC and you're making the big money, that's all you do for a living. Yeah. You get up, right. you train, right. you work out, that's it. But now guys have to go to a nine to five job. They got to go home and take the kids to the ball game. They got to cut the grass and do those kind of things. And then you still have to find time to hit the gym, to do the nutrition, mm-hmm. to get the training in. So you've got to respect that even a little more than the top level guys. Sometimes. Yeah, that's a lot of stuff that people don't, don't they don't pay attention to. Like it's not just, oh, this is a great fighter. Let's pair him up with another fighter. No, that to become a great fighter, it's not about getting in there and showcasing the skills. It's everything that leads up to it, right? right? It's how many times you've been beat, how many times you had your ass kicked, how much hours in the gym you spent, how much weight you've had to cut. Then, you know, like, or injuries you've had to surpass. Like, gosh, like the injuries after injury after mm-hmm. injury. And, you know, you know, whatever it may be, like, you know, these fighters, like, maybe they're off for a year. Well, it sets, you, if, you, if a fighter's off for a year, it sets them back two years because the level of competition has evolved. They're not at their pinnacle of elite fitness anymore. So then you got to spend a whole year getting back there, trying to educate yourself on what you missed out on that time, and then climbing the ladder again. Like, I see it a lot. I get so, it, it's, it's unfortunate, but it's life, especially in the amateur or even the low level pro fights, like pro fighters. Like, these guys get great momentum, and then life happens. And I know you see it a lot. Yes. It happens, and it's like, yes. gosh, they're such an awesome fighter. I wish he'd come back, but they're dealing with stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah, and so I, it seems talent. to be that you guys are there for them, too, when that, they go through that shit. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, we try. We try. I mean, everybody's got their ups and downs yeah. and different things that go through. I try to check on different fighters and um, that come through. And, you know, there's definitely been some that have come through that special talent. You know, there's, there's a lot of talent in this area. So um, we're trying to showcase it the best that we can. Yeah, the, 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 talent, the talent pool here is, is crazy. Jonathan. Oh, that's the, that's the, the kid that broke his leg? Yes. Jonathan was his yes. last name? Oh, Jonathan was his first name, was it? Yes. King was his last name? King. Jonathan King. Jonathan King. King. That's Jonathan it. King. Okay. I knew King. I would think of it, yes. Jonathan King. So he yeah. broke his leg checking a kick in that From, fight. Yes, gotcha. Chris Williams. Gotcha. Chris, yeah. He fought Chris. Is Chris a uh, pro yet? He was supposed to turn pro on this card, actually. Okay. And uh, he was fighting... Um, Daniel, Daniel De La Cruz. De La Cruz, oh, yes. That's a tough but, Chris was sick, uh, got sick, unfortunately, and uh, he's doing better now, but he was when, didn't have a full fight camp. He was going to turn pro, so he wants to make sure and get that full fight camp in gotcha. before he turns pro. Yeah, he missed a good two weeks or so away yes. from the gym, just really, really And ill. that's huge, too. Another yeah. thing another thing that I always respect is a fight, is someone taking, especially at this level, taking a fight on two weeks' notice or even a week notice. Yes. It happens a lot. It does. Does fights drop? It's you know. But you know, as this sport has grown, especially the business, the dollars, the yeah. revenue side of it, you've seen a change in the mindset of a lot of fighters too. If you remember, guys in the Tito Ortiz, Chuck Liddell days, UFC forty to UFC fifty five, sixty in that era, man, you would see the same top guys fight four or five times oh, yeah. a year. Oh, yeah. They would jump in there with just about anybody. Now you have so many fighters. Well, I don't know if that's a good matchup for me. Maybe I'll you know maybe I'll what's his record? Hold on, maybe maybe. I want to fight this guy over here. Well, I'm not. There's a lot more that go, and I'm not poo-pooing the decision making well, behind a fighter. Two, there's two sides to that, right? But it I mean, used to be in the old yeah. days. Hey, I'll get in there, fight anybody, yeah. bring him on, let's do it. Now it's well, what's a good fight for me? What's going to make me look good? What's going to make me money? What's yeah. going to get me to the next level? Well, so the business has changed the fighter mindset yeah. as well. There's two sides to that. There's there's fights where okay, I'm still in the game and making money, but let me fight someone who's not going to kill me. And then there's that Sugar Sean O'Malley side of it to where like. I'm trying to choose my fights, but I'm choosing my fights that ri- ri- rise me in the ranks, right? Mm-hmm. He knows he's a, com- uh, he's a game competitor, and then he's choosing, okay, if I fight this guy, then it's going to put me in the position to fight this guy. Whereas a lot of fighters just say, okay, I'll take anything, which is dangerous. It's very dangerous. Mm-hmm. Um, especially if, this, I mean, like you said, like James says, styles makes fights. So like if you're, if you're matched up with the wrong stylistic you know, competitor and you get floored, then it fucks up your rankings mm-hmm. and then it takes that much longer to get up there i'm not saying oh don't be like any fighters that are listening especially you, you guys younger guys look yes always be game always be ready exactly. but like i'm not saying don't be game and don't be ready but i'm saying make the right decisions if you have an option mm-hmm. you know what i mean and don't just do you, maybe not go with just because like, everyone this show's broadcasted nationwide so maybe not go with just that local promotion you always go with maybe seek out some other ones mm-hmm. a lot of times like you guys do you'll pay for some, a fighter to come here right you know don't miss out on an opportunity because you got to fight someone where you could have got a better matchup somewhere so it works both ways you know I think it's it is it is um, it's smart to fight smart but it also you have to make the right choices and like if you're just going to stay in that comfort zone the whole time you're never going to rise the rankings anyways mm-hmm. exactly but, but if you're going to you have an opportunity to get paired up against something that's going to help you. And look, 
if you have a good matchup, it's helping both fighters, win or lose. <laughs> I mean, if you're fighting another game opponent, your game opponent, you're in the top ten, no matter what happens, it's great for you. One of you's gonna lose. You know you're going in, one of you's gonna lose. It's just it's 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 it is what it is. But like no matter what, people are gonna remember that, know that matchup, and then go from there. And I think every single match changes the evolution of the next matchup too, which is crazy. Right. I have to get James on to talk about all that stuff. Yes. <laughs> get the you can get him on here. The, I'm, I'm working. You got to work on it for me. I've been I working know, on it. I know. I'm trying. GTs are behind the scenes, yeah, guy. Yeah. But like, he'll tell you that. I'll get him the nuts and bolts of that. But the, the thing is, um, yeah, I mean, I think it's it's important to make sure that you're choosing the right fight for yourself. Not to be comfortable, but for yourself to progress. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I think you guys do a good job of that, though. Like, that's something that, that needs to be talked about because there's, especially being at the, at the level of promotion you guys are, and, and you're, I feel like you're top tier of your class, um, whereas anyone else is just, let's make a fight. Well, and DJ, we've seen it, too, in the early years. I mean, you've had some some predatory promotions all across the country. They'll set up. They've got a guy who's selling a lot of tickets. Yeah. Boy, he's selling a lot of yeah. tables right here in the hometown. So you make sure and get him a tomato can. You know he's just going to smash right. because, hey, it makes us money, makes him money, selling tickets. But you're not helping that fire. You're not helping him. Because you or get three competitor. or four tomato cans. Now you yes. get this false sense yes. of, oh, man, I'm the greatest. Then when you do step into that big promotion, yeah. you get skull drug. What yeah. happened? Or you get run. Or at some point you get tired. I mean, at some point you have to bring someone else in to fight him and they'd get demolished like so i mean yes yeah, a very valid point like you have it's not good for the fighter it's not good for the one guy's ass beat because he might have been a, a potential good opponent for someone else that could have grown him mm-hmm. like it's just a chess match it really is. It is and no one thinks about it all they think about is i want to see two good guys fight and the other one gets his ass whooped he sucks it's not the case if they step into that cage i don't give a shit if this is their very first amateur fight they're doing more than anybody else sitting there watching who's never experienced it. Well, I'm like you. Sometimes you hear guys, you know, the online chatter, oh, he's scared. Oh, he's scared. Especially when you're talking about UFC fighters yeah. and guys on that level. I promise scared. you, nobody under contract to the UFC is scared no, of another man. They're not. They're not. Just scared. no. no. They're, they're be, there is no such thing as scared in a professional fighter. No, it's just a matter of. You now, know, one guy might be better than the other guy on any given night, but they're not scared. Exactly. I promise right. you. No, that's something that, like, and it's just, like I said, it doesn't matter. Even if you're all the way down to the amateur fighters getting in there for the first time. <laughs> you know, that's doing more than that bystander just talking shit. DJ, how how does that feel, man? You know, you've been inside the cage a few times. You've been in there with us at AKA early on in your career. You're an amateur. You're stepping out there for the first time. <laughs> now, you've been training in the gym. You're rolling with your partners. Your coach has got you yeah. pumped up. Man, you're, you're eating nails and crap and tacks. You're ready to go. And then you finally step out under those lights, and you've got 800, 1,000 people there. What does that do to you mentally, uh, man? The very first time, I absolutely couldn't remember anything. Like, I feel like it was the, um, I don't know, it was just too much. Uh, but I will say this. The very first time I fought, I believe it was like 2012 or something, it was Slugfest and Mugfest. <laughs> in Colfax, Louisiana. I don't remember the promotion. It might have been USA. I don't remember who it was. Um, it was in the middle of a, a pasture. <laughs> good <laughs> times, baby. Good times. The, like, when I tell, when people hear this, I'm like, look, man, this is, I was in the sport when it wasn't cool. And it was starting to become cool, but also the people before me, I respect them even more, you know, like, but like doing that, um, I didn't, man, I couldn't remember. I, don't, I honestly can tell you that Jake DeMint, who's been on the show and friends of all of us, mm-hmm. um, he wrapped my hands. Um, Donnie, who's my previous coach, but at the time was in prison um, for a short stint there. Um, so he couldn't corner me. Christian Fulgham came down and cornered me. Um, Gladiators of Crowley. Yeah. And Jake DeMint wrapped my hands, got me warmed up. Kudos to Christian too, because he stepped he stepped up last minute. Or maybe Donnie wasn't in jail yet. He was getting ready. Something was about to happen. He was laying low. Some shit was. I don't remember. But um, <laughs> basically, Christian stepped up and said, "I'll come down and handle him." You know, and cornered me. And dude, I got demolished. <laughs> but I, it was great for me, man. I got I got you know ragdolled and threw around, and uh, I think rear naked choked. Um, but I mean, I stood my ground as far as stand up. But still, I don't remember. I remember that part of the the. The winning and the losing, but I can't tell you anything about the walking Just out. Just a sensory overload. Yeah, nothing, nothing. Like, and so that's very important. People need to understand that. Like when people say, like, it's, um, I don't even know what the, I don't even know a good word to describe it. But it's, it's, you get the, definitely get the. Everyone always says you get the adrenaline dump. People say that shit all the time. They don't understand what that is. It's, it's fucking real. real. It's real. Yeah. It's real. <laughs> because when you come out and you've been training, and your and your your energy's there, your levels, your cardio's on point. You made the weight. You're rehydrated. You're ready to go. It all hits you at once. You come out there, the first 30 seconds, you're great. 
but what you don't realize is you're, you're heightened so high that you're you know you're basically just overexerting yourself and you don't realize it and it's really you're overexerting yourself mentally look man i experience that a lot of times every show that i do and you know, i saw just mma alone like i said yeah. i'm well north of 220 events i mean i've called thousands of fights and to this day man when that music hits tnt i start <laughs> making my walk i can be backstage five minutes before cool as a cucumber yeah. cool as a polar bear's toenails and then when that music hits and i make that walk man you get that rush i get nervous and if by the time i'm done with the, the national anthem and i've got the first fight started and i'm going to sit down i'm looking for a towel i'm just drenched yeah. in sweat yeah. after about that second fight i calm down settle in good to go but i still get overcome with that adrenaline that nervous energy every time well that's something too a lot of fighters don't don't realize is, or, or people even looking from the outside looking in is that if someone is not experienced enough in that environment they may be a great fighter on a local level but then you put them in an arena with thousands of people not 800 to 1000 but 10 to 15000 it changes the game and it completely could shut them down i've seen it happen i mean it's happened multiple i know you've seen it, i know you've seen it it's happened but um yeah that's something that i feel like if you never get like from a level of not being ready for that against a level of always getting a little bit nervous like excited i feel like if you lose that nervous and excitement then you should time to move on anymore right. you know what i mean time to move on yeah yeah but no it's, it's it's good to hear that you're still you don't no one can tell that you're nervous oh man look i'm telling <laughs> no you tell. no, no one would ever know it you play 10 yeah. minutes before the curtain opens face. i'm good to go and every time and i'm just my, my body's trembling just yeah. shaking every time we wouldn't know it bro it, it, it is something man <laughs> and look you know you talk about the pasture show i mean i've been around a little longer than you and i've done plenty yeah, like yeah, that heck yeah. for a lot of you young guys out there I've, I've heard it said a few times a guy will turn down a fight well i need to fight on a on a big show on this <laughs> or on that you never know where opportunity yeah. come from in this business myself i was in a feature film called the philly kid pretty good straight to dvd release it had a little run on showtime and netflix ran it for a little while really good movie for a for a b movie straight to dvd release the kid uh devin sowell from idle hands and the stand he was in it with me a couple other guys kyle bradley was the main event bad guy fighter but man i remember i was doing a show at a rodeo arena in baton rouge actually uh i mean port allen Dirt on the floors. I mean, we had to lay carpets down for the fighters to walk on. I'm in the back getting dressed, trying not to step in cow shit with my tuxedo <laughs> shoes. I literally put my hands on a cow while I'm putting my tuxedo shoes on to hold myself up. Oh my while I walk out, I do the show intro, and I go to get back in the back, and some guy kind of stops me. And, man, he had a really, really heavy English accent. you like a spot, You know, I love what you did out there. And he gave me his card. He said, I'm making a movie, and I'd like to have you in my movie, and this, that, and the other. Well, I think somebody's pranking me, okay? So I'll take the card, whatever, you know, put him in a wallet. Yeah, I'm going to be in a movie. Okay. So I put him in a wallet. I didn't think nothing about it. About seven or eight days later, I get a phone call. Lo and behold, hey, be on set this day. And you talk about so cool. We pull up on the set where they're doing the filming. And they've got one of these little Hollywood trailers out back. It's got a white star on the door. Somebody took athletic tape and they wrote with a marquee, dynamite. I was like, oh, <laughs> Lord, I have arrived. You made it. Move out the you way, people. Dynamite is here, you know. But I did. I got a great great payday off the yeah. movie it was a fantastic experience i've got the dvd at home yeah. something you can always tell your grandkids about hey look yeah. Papa was in a movie one day that kind of stuff but it came from that event it came from, and it came one from, of just the smallest yeah. you know podunk events i ever did so don't MMA. ever overlook a show there's opportunity everywhere opportunities where everywhere. you create it yeah, yeah. it's so funny these little amateurs they, they get so oh god it's so funny with you guys they get so bent out of shape like they're like oh can i get my photos i'm like dude we didn't have anyone taking photos of us we didn't have anyone marketing us you should be you should be look guys you should be appreciative that someone is even putting your photo on their shit like your name is like the only thing we ever got was a name on a poster maybe there was unless you were the main event your photo wasn't going up you weren't getting any promotion no, no right. one's giving you any shout outs like them guys that they're like oh i need to i don't want to do this show because they don't do any promoting like man do your own damn promoting you know what i mean until you get to the level to where you deserve it right. i do think that there's still that um I'm in. I'm just in that that militant mindset of the old school fighter stuff, to where it's like you do have to pay your dues in this sport. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think that's ever going to go away. That's what I love about fight teams in this industry and what you guys do. The camaraderie is thick. Mm-hmm. It's thick to the to the bone. When they when another gym gets you know someone from a previous gyms trained together get mad at each other, they don't talk to each other for like ten fucking years. You know, yeah, and the, crazy. And, yeah, can they carry the the they carry the grudge on forever over the dumbest shit like it's to the bone this is a really really thick you know it's just 
com- camaraderie is insane in this sport. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, you got to earn your you got to earn your stripes. You got to, and I, I don't think that's ever going to go away in this sport. I don't think, you know, I, even like a jujitsu like a jujitsu black belt, you're not getting one of those for ten years. If you do previous, you know, if you get it before ten years, you're either a superhuman or someone's just giving you a damn belt. Yeah, you know what I mean, like. The respect is earned, and it's it's paid in full whenever you do earn it in this sport. I don't think that's gone away yet, but some people do see all the highlights, and maybe someone's just an amazing athlete and got somewhere really quick, and they think that they could do that. Well, you gotta you still gotta put your work in. You gotta you gotta perform. You gotta beat the right people. You gotta have the right promotion, and you have to have the right marketing. And that's at every level of the sport. I mean, just like what Ms. Amber's done, growing the brand of AKA of Bishop Fight Promotions and American Combat Alliance. I mean, you have some great shows. You learn things. You make mistakes. You learn from it. You're constantly adapting to stay with the market and where the sport's going. So, I mean, everybody has to put their work in to be successful in this business, not just the fighters. Yeah. I mean, myself, I've been around, you know, 15, 16 years now, man. I mean, I've been in high school gyms. I've been in bingo halls. I've been in big arenas, casinos all over. you got to put the work in. I mean, for a lot of years, holding down a nine-to-five job, two daughters, coaching them in every sport they play, and doing two, three MMA shows a weekend from Shreveport all the way down to Miami, sprinkle some other stuff in there. I mean, you've got to put the work in, yeah. just like the fighters do. All of us do. Well, I mean, yeah. That's 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 another thing we didn't even talk about. Let's talk about that real quick. So you, you've quit your full-time job, and you're doing this full-time, Dynamite. Yes. And Amber... You and your husband, this is all y'all are doing too. This is it. So y'all are all in. So anyone watching or listening, if you don't realize how serious they are about this shit, they are all in. This is this started as something that you've grown and now you're everything's on the table at this point. Yeah, this is this is my life. Yeah. Yes. For me and my personal experience is a testament to the brand Bishop Promotions and AKA what Amber and John started. You know, I've been with a lot of companies, man, for a lot of years. And look, I love everybody I've ever worked for. Thankful to every promotion that's ever given me the opportunity to step inside their cage. Love it. But I knew at some point in time as I grew, man, this is something that I've been passionate about, like she says. And she was six since I was six. I've always wanted to do something like this. I knew I'd grown myself and my brand as far as I could. It wasn't getting any bigger or better with the weekend warrior mentality. Yeah. It was time to, hey, either you, you bet all your cards, you put it all in, throw it all out there on the table and see how far it goes. If you fall on your butt, so be it. At least you can say you tried. And with all these different companies I've worked for over the year, again, fantastic people, great shows, but it was all the weekend warriors. All, hey, everybody's got a real job. Yeah. Everybody owns a business. We do this to help the fighters out. We do this to make a little extra money because we love the sport, but it's weekend warrior. With Amber and John, as I got to working with them over the years and got to know them more and more and more, it got to that where, hey, they were willing to go all in. This is all we're going to do. And I got to thinking, if you're ever going to take the chance, what brand is going to give you the best opportunity? And that was why I made the decision to go with Bishop. And now we're all one big family, a.k.a. old Dynamite Amber and John. (laughs) With the delivery, always with the delivery. No, I mean, dude, look, um, no, I respect you guys. I think it's been great what you've been doing. I'm excited. Like, I'm excited to see what else happens here in the future because I feel like it's really starting to grow like at the point to where the momentum has just went you know through the roof. Um, so I asked you about your scariest moment. What's your great the greatest moment in sport so far for you? Several, several, probably. Um, okay, one one of a few. Okay, well, one of a few. Right now, I would say um, probably watching Haley Cowan climb. Yeah. Climb the ladder. Um, that's a proud moment for me because she fought for us first. She was our one and only amateur um, title holder, female uh, amateur title holder. Um, she's a talented young lady. She's become a beast. She's a beast. Yes. <laughs> and she All lives, hail. breathes, and eats training. Yeah. This is this is her life. And um, she's got a great partner there, Jake. Um, they've got a great gym over there. Um, they're good people. Um, so I would say that's one of my happiest you know, one of them, yeah. you know, watching her. Yeah. So. What's the uh, most significant thing you've experienced in the 16 years you've been doing this? Man, there's been a lot, DJ, but I, I'll i give you three right now. All right. Number one was when we did the 2019 Showtime Live nationally televised boxing event yes. here at Stageworks in Louisiana. Devin Haney, who's the undisputed lightweight champion of the world right now, fought for us in the main event. For me, that was validation working for so many regional promotions for so long, finally getting to put myself out there on national television in the country of South Africa, that was that was huge for me. And you can ask Miss Amber, as soon as the cameras went off, I kind of went behind one of the backdrops <laughs> thinking nobody would see me. I mean, I fell to both knees, and I mean, yeah. I bawled like a baby for 10 minutes. Just I was so happy. It's like, you know, no matter what, if it ever gets any bigger than this, I got there. Yeah, I did that. Then the next one was that... uh 
one of our events on, on Fight Pass, and we had Matt Hughes here last time. Again, the show was over, cameras had stopped rolling. Matt Hughes just, for no reason, pulled me to the side, and he said, uh, I've been doing this a long time. I've been to thousands of shows like this all across the country, hell, all across the world. And he looked at me in my eyes. He said, Buffer included, he said, you're the best I've ever seen. That's a lot. That means a lot. I yeah. could not believe the man told me yeah. that. That meant a lot. And then right now, something I'm, I'm really, really proud of, DJ, you know, by working for so many different promotions and kind of sucking up all the oxygen here in the Gulf South by me being the the announcer at all these shows, there hadn't been a lot of other op- opportunity for other guys to, to get in and start learning the business and cutting their teeth. Well, now that I've saddled up going you know solo with AKA only, there was a big void out there. So I've been able to help a couple other guys that have dreamed about getting in the MMA and getting their teeth cut in the business. I've been able to introduce them to some of those promoters that I used to work for. And now they're getting to live their dreams and kind of, you know, following the groundwork that I laid out there. So I'm real proud of that as well because I didn't have a whole lot of help coming up myself. You know, I had to kind of kick and scratch and crawl and fight for everything I got. And because I'm so different in the way I do it, you know, I always tell everybody I'm 90% entertainer, 10% announcer. Yeah. Okay. I'm not your typical announcer. And I've been poo-pooed and called an ass clown and all this, you know, over the top (laughs) obnoxious stuff for a lot of years. But it's who I am. Yeah. It's what I love. I love entertaining the fans. I love seeing people so happy. So I've stuck with it. I've stayed true to myself. And I'm not going to change. I'm always going to be old dynamite, the maniacal maestro of the microphone. So for me to be able to open some doors and maybe make that journey a little easier for somebody else makes me feel good because it feels like I'm giving back and I've left it in a better place than when I came through. Did you practice? Because it, if you haven't seen Dynamite on, on film or in person, you just need to come to this upcoming show <laughs> or you need to um, subscribe and, and stream it. But did you practice this? So you have, you have an amazing like layout of how you, you know, from, from start to finish your entire production is set in your head and you always do it to the T. Did you practice this? And if you did, was it like in front of the kids or like, no, you, you just, you just put I go out every go. night. It's kind of like, you know, the old pro wrestlers say, Hey, we'll call it in the ring. We'll call it oh, in the yeah, ring. Yeah, yeah. Same thing, man. I go out and I play off the audience. Yeah. If I've got a hot crowd and they're just, you know, they're, they're drinking all the Kool-Aid I'm serving, eating out of my hand, man, then that feeds me and I turn it up to 11 or 12. Yeah. If I've got a crowd that's a little lower, okay, I don't get quite as high. Maybe I don't put out as much that night. I play it off the audience, the fights, the energy in the room. Well, so I'll bring this up. So we we were doing we were doing commentary, and we had another. Uh, we were streaming. I won't say who or where or whatever. But um, I did remember that you they caught somebody talked some shit on you and saying you're being too animated or whatever. Every the everyone come out the woodworks to defend you because they fucking know that everything you do is great. Like I remember saying like. Like um, I don't know if Amber I was talking or something. Something happened and, and um, something was posted or something that said that what you were doing was over the top. Mm-hmm. I think it's bullshit. And so many people came out and agree with that. You know, like just because you're doing something a little different than every other you know national level um, announcer doesn't mean that you're doing anything wrong. You're just doing something different. You know? I knew when I set out and I started kind of finding my groove and, and doing my shtick, whatever you want to call it. I knew I was taking a real hard path. Yeah. You know, you got a nice paved two-lane highway over here, then you got this uphill dirt yeah. road. I knew I was taking the dirt road because it's it's counter. It's it's different than what every announcer does. Announcers are supposed to be heard, not seen. Right. Announcers don't walk out to music. Announcers don't sing the national anthem. Announcers don't dance. Announcers don't have fans, this kind of stuff. <laughs> the hell they don't. They showed up. I that, do. When that happened, they showed up. I saw so many fighters come out and uh, defend you and talk about that. And I just wanted to bring it up and give my respects to you um, because I remember talking to Amber about it, and I was like, mm-hmm. look, we got this. He's great. You know what I mean? Fuck oh, and it hurts Fuck sometimes, you. man. You know, when you're <laughs> when you're coming up, you second guess yourself. Yeah. You know, maybe I've never made it to the the big time because of because, what I do. But, but I'm not going to change who I am to chase something that I might not ever achieve anyway. Exactly. I'm going to stay true to myself and what makes me happy, and that's what I've done. And just like with me, you know, a lot of MCs they'll start the show here, then by the time they get to the main event, now they're up here. Right. You man, when you're dealing the at the level we're at, that first fight. Sometimes it's the most important fight of the night because that's that kid's first time ever fighting. His grandma, his uncle, his nana, his neighbor, his high school teacher, everybody's going to come out and see you for your first one. They might not come for the second or the third or the fourth, Mm -hmm. but they're going to come for that first one. So for that fighter on that one given night, if I can give him that UFC feel, that buffer feel, and let his family experience that magical moment with him, if I can help to build that and make that special for him, that's what I want to do. So I give it all to every fight to every fighter that steps out there well i've had 17 boxing matches four mma fights and 
out of all those announcing and all those layouts, you're the only one I remember in the cage. So that <laughs> well, says something. That means a lot. I mean, man, I, that, it's you. not a lot. I'm not saying like there's so many MMA fighters that have way more than that. But I'm saying like that's that's it means something, and people remember you, and that's what you're there to do. You're not, you know, entertain, support, promote. And when it comes down to it, this whole sport, everything we do, it's about the fans. Yeah. You know, the, the, the fighters get in there. You know, they're the meat of the show. That's what everybody's there for. But why are the fighters out there? Because they want to make money. How do they make the money? It's off the fans buying the pay-per-views, buying the merchandise, buying the gear. Why do promoters set up shows and start running shows? Because they want to make money. How do you make money? Off the fans. Why do TV deals and sponsors spend big money to get involved with these TV shows? Because they want the fans' money. Yeah. It's all about the fans. The fans want to be entertained. That's what I do. I entertain the fans yeah well yeah and you make those fighters feel special you know because they are i mean it's not everybody can do what they do it takes a special person to say i want to go get punched in the face and as an amateur basically for fun you're doing it (laughs) yeah pretty much it's free it's not like bob jones you know here he is entering the cage you know whatever you make them feel special with that with that enthusiasm you have behind your voice and and just the way you say it you know um it does i can see it in their eyes and it's it's awesome it's really fun to watch i mean yeah i mean i think that i think i look Kudos to y'all. Y'all got it going on. You you bring the heart to the to the game. He brings the energy. John, poor John's getting his ass kicked. He's working for it all the time. <laughs> he's, he's putting the cage up right now. Yeah. Y'all, y'all are doing it. So look, before we end this thing, we, you have uh, guys have a fight, and this is probably going to air in the next day or so. But um, just so so you know, I wanted to plug you guys' fight coming up here locally. Um, so if you want to talk about that real quick. Ladies and gentlemen, Friday night live here at Samstown <laughs> Casino in Shreveport, Louisiana, a.k.a. 23 goes down. And what a night of fights we have planned for you. 11 fights on the card. It is stacked top to bottom. And ladies and gentlemen, the big main event. Steve, the average Jones, will defend his a.k.a. welterweight championship against the Alabama Hammer, Mark Coker. And if that's not enough, very special guest in the house, two-time UFC welterweight champion. Current UFC Hall of Famer, ladies and gentlemen, the living legend, Matt Hughes, will be in the house. And on commentary, part of the AKA team, a graduate of Captain Shreve High School right here in Shreveport, Louisiana, rising star in the UFC flyweight division. Ladies and gentlemen, our good friend, Matt Danger Schnell, and always our anchor, Tyler Not-So-Dangerous Moody. Come out and join us, AKA 23, live Friday night. Doors open at 6. Fights begin at 7 p.m., Samstown Casino here in Shreveport, Louisiana. Ladies and gentlemen, AKA 23, it's go time. <laughs> and it's all ages. All ages. All ages. <laughs> Way to add it in there, Amber. Good job. That was, like the, that was like the disclaimer. The cherry on the ice cream, you know? <laughs> well, look, it's been a great time catching up with you guys. Um, I'm excited for this weekend. Um, and thanks for your time. Hey, thank you for having thank us, DJ. Any, any exciting. other thing, anything you want to plug besides the obvious? <laughs> I think you covered it all. Yeah, it's been great. It's been fun. Hey, if anybody sees it, come on and join us Thursday night as well. We're going to have our face-offs at Samstown Live right there by the main entrance, ground floor of Samstown. Come in and check us out because that's your first chance to see these fighters and to really get in that fight feel, man. That's when the energy around the event really starts to build. And you know, when you get that face-off the first time, you're nose-to-nose with that guy. Now you're hydrated. You're weighed in. Now it's time to see what he's all about. That's when it really gets started at the weigh-ins. And that's open to the public free. It's when it gets real for the fighter and for the the close family and friends and and fans that show up that's when it gets real (laughs) so yeah that's thursday night at seven at samstown live so come check us out there that's free and open to the public and then friday night aka 23 awesome we'll wrap on that thanks guys thank you